Thanks for checking out this sermon from Redemption Church in Seattle, Washington, where we are enjoying Jesus, loving people, and making disciples. If you'd like to learn more about Redemption, you can go to redemptionchurchseattle.com. Or better yet, come be our guest on a Sunday here in Green Lake. If you're a guest with us, thank you so much for coming and joining us. We realize you could be doing other things today, especially this morning. It's sunny out, so I know that you're trying to soak up as much of that as possible. But thanks for being here at Redemption with us. Um, As Alex said, we're about enjoying Jesus, loving people, making disciples. And what we've been doing this summer is walking through a few different psalms, which we've really loved, hitting different themes. And we're going to do the same thing today, our summer in psalms. Today, as you just heard read, we're looking at Psalm 46. Um, By the way, I don't think I introduced myself. My name's Drew, if I didn't. And I am a pastor here, so I'm supposed to be up here right now. I was watching something this week. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched any of like the CNN as they go through the decades, like the 70s, 80s, 90s. They started going through the 2000s, and last Sunday I was watching uh, the one on tech and how so many things have come into existence in the 2000s that have really changed sort of our accessibility, the way that we think about things, um, the way that we want things on demand. They were looking at, you know, Amazon coming along and really changing the idea of how quickly you could get a product and how that changed our mindset. And now it's like, I don't want to wait for five days. I want two days. Actually, I want same day, like deliver it in two hours. And how the iPhone came along and BlackBerry, um, that ancient tool. But the iPhone came along and it changed everything. It was like having a computer in your hand and you could look up anything you wanted and you could search and Google came along and it would show you all these results within less than a second that were right in front of you. And it was pretty phenomenal. And I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, that is pretty amazing. And it's definitely affected us. I think that we would be lying if we said that it hadn't affected us. The way that we just look at things like accessibility, like solutions, quickness, quick answers, quick response. But the question that I've been thinking about this week as I've been looking at Psalm 46 is what happens when we apply that to our everyday lives? The reality is, for all of us, if I ask this morning, do, do any of us ever have relationship issues? Has anything ever dropped into your life that was unexpected, that you didn't want, that you didn't ask for? Have you ever had some chaos, some frustration, some doubts? Have you ever had a big opportunity or a massive decision that you had to make that, that was going to affect a lot? Maybe it's going to affect you personally. Maybe it's going to affect your family. Has that ever happened? All, all of us, we would say yes, and we would all say yes because we're humans, And this is a part of regular life, that the unexpected comes. And I don't believe, at least the way we're going to shape this today, the response that we often go to or the way that we first respond is best a lot of times. But the beauty is God in his his grace, in his love, in his compassion, is that he gives us his word and he speaks directly to our hearts and to our everyday lives. It's as if he knew what he was doing when he gave us the scripture that we would struggle with these things, that our hearts would be pulled in different directions and he would want to recalibrate, return those. And so as you're sitting here today, no matter what's coming, maybe there is some strife in a relationship. Maybe there's something that's going on in your life right now that you didn't expect, that wasn't there a month ago or a year ago, but it's there now and you're dealing with it and you're walking through it. Maybe there's a big decision to be made. Maybe there's a massive opportunity. Here's what I love, is that God is not a God who's distant somewhere in a white lab coat, just taking notes and experimenting with your life. He is a loving creator who knows you in and out. He knows your heart. He knows your tendencies. He knows where you tend to run, and he loves you, and he pursues you through it all. 
And so he has something to say today to our hearts, especially to our hearts that tend to beat fast, run to quickness, get busy. This is a psalm of David. Here's how it starts. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. So the first thing first here, we have to stop and ask this question, do we really believe this? Do you really believe it? Deep down, not just, not just in your mind, but actually in the way that you live your life and the way that you think about God and the way that your heart turns, do you believe this? Do you see God as your refuge? Meaning this place of safety where you can hide. Think about a cave and it's storming and lightning shooting down that you can go and you're safe inside of. Is that the way that you think about God this morning as he comes into your mind or is there a different image altogether? Is he safe? Does he seem safe? Is he very present in your times of trouble? That's the first question we've really got to ask because this is really a first importance before we walk through the rest of this psalm because if we say, well, I'm really not sure, well, then where do we go with the rest of it? Now, here's the beauty. It doesn't mean that we don't waver from this. It doesn't mean that we don't have our doubts. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle But do we give God the benefit here? Would we be willing to see him as our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble? So important. A lot of you have gone on different trips this summer. Maybe you've gone to theme parks. Some of you have gone to Disneyland. Um, Maybe other places uh, that I wasn't able to go as a child, and I'm envious Um, But there's rides. I went to, man, I grew up near Branson, Missouri, so I went to a place called Silver Dollar City and got on rides that no one should have been allowed on. Um, Safety out the window. But here's the deal. I'm scared of heights, kind of. I'm mainly scared of falling. Um, (laughs) But before I get on any kind of ride whatsoever, I want to know that it's safe, otherwise I'm not going to step foot on it. And so really, in order for us to fulfill this or live this out at all, we have to see God as as safe. Everything else is secondary. And this is just going to require honest reflection, and maybe it doesn't just happen in here. Hopefully it happens throughout the week. But is, is God this refuge, strength, the present help? It says then, therefore we will not fear. So therefore, meaning because we believe this, because we believe that God is a refuge, because we believe that he's our strength, because we believe he's there with us no matter what comes, We will not fear. And now we're going to see why having this belief, this faith, no matter how small it may be at times, no matter how hard it may be to have this faith at times, why it's so important. Because in the next verse it says, Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, swelling, Selah. The reality for all of us, and this isn't going to explode your brain this morning, this isn't a new thing, but that life is sometimes chaotic. Sometimes things do get dropped into your life that you never expected, that you never wanted, that you never asked for, that you're not sure how to deal with. It happens. This is for all of us. Sometimes marriage does hit a tough spot. Sometimes the kids are facing challenges or can be challenging Sometimes the bank account springs a leak, and you're not sure what next week looks like, and what next month looks like, or even what the next day looks like. Sometimes your boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you, and that relationship ends, and you didn't expect that, and you thought that you were going to be with them for the rest of your life. 
Sometimes someone close to you gets sick, someone close to you passes away, and it's a void that you never expected, you never really prepared yourself for. Sometimes, sometimes a job opportunity comes along and you're not sure what to do, and it might mean a move, or it might be a big change, or it might mean stepping out into something you've never stepped out in before. Sometimes job loss happens, and now you're wondering how you're going to provide for yourself or your family. Whatever it may be in our life, as long as we will live, there is going to be chaos. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be things that come along. The earth underneath us in metaphorically thinking is going to give way. It's going to move. So whether it's chaos, whether it's challenges, whether it's frustrations, whether it's anxiety that it can bring along, or whether it's maybe a big decision to make, this tends to happen. And our tendency, I believe, or at least my tendency, is to somewhat act like a high schooler that the party just got busted and the cops are there and we just scatter. And we run every which way and we're just hoping that we can find safety somewhere, preferably home. That's my tendency, that's my heart. As soon as something happens that I didn't expect, I want to fix it. As soon as something comes along and it enters my life that I don't want, I want a quick solution. And I want God to move quickly. Because God, if I'm going to place my faith in you, if I'm really going to believe that you're there in this trouble, if I'm really going to believe that you're my strength, if I'm really going to believe that you're my refuge, then it means you better act quickly. You better change this. You better change the scenery because this isn't what I want. This isn't what I ask for. And, and this has to shift. I think that tends to be somewhat our wandering and anxious hearts, where we run. We buy into easily, I think, this cultural falsehood that the best remedy to the pressure, the best remedy to the unknown, the best remedy to the unasked for is quick solutions, quick decisions. And you might be sitting here and you might say, well, some things, there, there needs to be a quick solution and there needs to be a quick decision that's made. There's, there's not time to spare and I would say this, sometimes when there's an earthquake, you make a quick move and you're running here and there and you can't hear the call to safety when the best thing that you could have done was just to be still and stay where you were. Now here's the deal, we're not talking about this as like a one-time movement, we're really looking at this as a way of being. Because if we can adopt what, what God's showing us here and it can come into our lives as a way of being, that we operate within this reality each and every day. It's going to change the way that we approach things when the unexpected comes along, when the big decisions have to be made. So stick with me here. We'll, we'll, we'll get to this, but this isn't a one-time movement. But regardless, this does tend to be our reaction. We are problem solvers. We want these quick movements and fixes and solutions, and we live in a city that, that, that encourages that. And I'm, I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about that. That's just our reality. That's the culture. That's the society that we live in. We, we live in the most technologically advanced city in the United States. There are more tech companies here than, than anywhere else outside of maybe San Francisco. But we, we live in an area where quick and solutions and fast answers thrive. And I think it's so easy for that to permeate into our lives and our very being. It's so easy. I know that this, this happens to me. Absolutely. And the reality is though is that, is that in some of those things that's business and that's not our real life. 
That's not what God intended. That's not the way that he's created us. When I was growing up, for a long time, my parents wouldn't let me have a dog. Um, I'm getting a lot into I'm not going to talk more about my childhood today, but um, I don't know if my parents look bad, but I didn't have a dog. So for about five or six years, you know what they would get me? They would get me teddy bear hamsters, right? Um, and I would just sit, <laughs> don't feel bad for me, but after school, I would just sit and I would watch the hamsters in the cage. And... Uh, we were good to the hamsters, so we put one of those wheels in there, but you would just watch the hamsters just run on their wheel, right? They're not going anywhere, and, and they probably don't know it. I don't know. Maybe they know that they're supposed to get exercise, but you're just watching that, and, um, and that's hamsters, but to be honest, for us, a lot of times we just spin our wheels. We spin our wheels trying to find solutions. We spin our wheels trying to fix our life. We spin our wheels trying to make sure that every single decision that we make is the perfect decision, and it's made in the perfect time. It's made quickly, and, and that there is that quick resolve. And you know what this produces? This produces a lot of anxiety. Anybody feel anxious ever? I do a lot. It produces a lot of frustration. And I think it also can produce a lot of fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what's going to happen. Fear of how is this going to work out. And we still find ourselves in need. The difference is we're just worn out. We're worn out, we're tired, our faith can sometimes be lacking. And it's not that we don't need a solution, it's not that we don't need to make a decision, it's that our response in looking is, is often looking inward when really our first response should be looking outward. Here, here's what this goes on to say. I love this, because as, as everything's falling apart, as the mountains are moving, as the waters are roaring, as, as the everything, the mountains tremble and swell, here's, here's what comes along. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. This sounds amazing. So what is this river that David's talking about, and what are these streams that David's talking about because it seems like something that we absolutely need. And what this is talking about is it's talking about God and it's talking about his grace. This good father and these streams of grace and mercy and compassion that flood and that make the city glad. In the Old Testament, this would have been pointing to Jerusalem where we're living in right now. It's pointing to the church, us, you, as chaos happens around you, as turmoil happens, as it happens in our culture, as it happens in our world, God is not distant. He is not silent. He is not removed. Even though we may not always be able to see it the way that we wish we could, he is this amazing, beautiful, calming stream which is flooding our world, which is flooding our culture, which is flooding our lives in good ways, coming and giving us peace, even in the midst of everything happening. That's what this is pointing to here, this chaos, but at the same time, God and his grace. And so that's really what this river does. The thing that I notice here the most is that the circumstances haven't changed. And I think that's one of the greatest hopes, or at least should be for us, is that the circumstances may not change, but but God can still give you comfort. He can still give you peace because he's moving and he's there with you where you are in the midst of it. But the focus has changed. 
We don't look inward and we don't just look at the mountains moving and everything falling uh, in around us and in the chaos. Instead, we, we look to God who offers us this amazing grace, who offers us this comfort, who offers us this peace. I saw a great quote this week and I think it's very fitting. Matt Chandler said this. He said, you're exhausted in the faith because you're looking at you. The more you look at yourself and the less you look at God, the more you get frustrated at yourself. This idea of looking inward when we need to look upward, when we need to look to God instead of ourselves. Because here's what it says again in verse 6, the nations will rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. You see this amazing control. The Lord of hosts is with us. That's, mark that, he's with us. He is with you. Right now, as you sit here, God is with you. Emmanuel, the one that came down, born as a baby, innocent, to the cross, gave his life for you, resurrected, offers you the Holy Spirit. God is with you. This is the most important thing that we can know in the midst of any trial that comes, in the midst of any hardship that comes, in the midst of any loss that comes, in the midst of any anxiety, any fear, any frustration, is that you are not alone In our DNA, there is something within us that desperately, simply wants to know that we are not alone. And God is promising, I'm with you. You're my child, and I'm with you. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Nothing is happening outside of God's rule and reign and complete control. And David wants to point us to that. To remember not to lose hope and not to lose sight. So again, the psalmist, he he points us to this reality of life's going to throw some things at you. Things are going to get crazy. Sometimes things are going to be a little bit shaky. But the greater reality is that God is filled with grace. And who is filled with grace? Who with his voice can and eventually will bring everything to a halt. And so in our own life, things will happen. Challenges may come for a season. But the truth is that I love here is that God will outlast it. In your life, opportunities requiring major decisions will come. But God is already ahead of you. He's already there. So instead of spinning our wheels of anxiety or running to a quick man-made solution and quick decisions, here's the better move. I love this. Look at verse 10. All of this is happening and David says, be still and know that I am God. This reminder that sometimes the best move is no move. And I don't mean that in a hokey way, literally. Here's what I mean. Sometimes the best move is us not immediately moving, but us sitting with God and allowing him to move first. Allowing him to speak. And he's already spoken. This is God's first word right here. God has given you his word, the Bible, that we can go to, his scripture. It is holy. It is living. But that we would not run quickly but that we would actually allow God to speak to us, to move in us, to be reminded that he's over us, and that we would allow him to lead us forward, whatever that looks like. Be still and know 
that I am God. Yes, there's absolutely, there's a time and a place for action. You can't just, you can't just do nothing, right? Eventually, something needs to happen. Eventually, some decisions have to be made. All of these things, there's a time and a place for that, especially when it comes to conflict, family issues, struggles, addictions, worry, anxiety, and the the list goes on. Put in what you will. But for Christians, our first move should really be to be still. To be still. And yes, this goes against every single fiber of our being. This is tough. This is really hard. And I believe that one of the reasons it's so hard is because we've been bit by busyness and its venom is deadly. We've been bit by busyness and so it has ingrained our bloodstream to run, 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 do, 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 do. And sometimes we just need to slow down. You just need to stop for a minute because business can't be our God. Because business isn't out to give you rest and peace and hope and, and mercy. Business is out to destroy, to steal your time, to steal your heart. Instead, be still and know that I am God. What does it mean to be still and know that he is God? I think there's three very practical pieces to this. I think the first one, literally, spend time sitting with God. Spend time being with God. Getting to his heart. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite uh, shows on Netflix, maybe some of you guys have watched it, is uh, Stranger Things, and, and Alex is waiting for season three to come out every day. You've probably got a countdown on your wall. Um, but it's this kind of creepy 80s uh, type show if you've seen it. Uh, but here's the reality. In any of these sci-fi shows, in any of this, when chaos comes, when somebody's attacking, it, and I'm going to share something really honest with you. This week, uh, it's I think it's still Shark Week. I watched every single one of the Jaws movies. Um, not in succession, but over the week, some of them, man, real rough. But here's the deal. For all of these, uh, the solution, if you want to see any change or you want to see any, any, if anything's going to happen, you have to actually get to the source of, of the problem, of what's going on, to get to the mothership, to get to where this is emanating from, where evil's coming from or where chaos is coming from. You have to get to it. And I think a lot of times we do struggle in our faith and we do struggle with our relationship with God and we do struggle with seeing him as our refuge and our strength because we don't get to his heart. We think a lot of times that if we just mark off maybe 15 minutes a day and I read my Bible and I say a prayer, well, that's going to get to the heart of God. No, this is a way of being that God wants to commune with you throughout the day, in your car, at your work, with your kids, that he wants to be in your life, not just a piece of it. Especially not just a side piece that gets pushed to the side of the plate and sometimes just falls off the end. Sometimes we're running chaotically and we're not sure where we're going and our head's spinning because we haven't got to the heart of God, because we haven't slowed down, because we bought into that cultural lie that busyness is the way forward, doing more is the way forward, being more is the way forward, when what God's trying to say is just be. Just be and sit with me. I've got you in this. I created you, I know you, and I have you. So maybe a big question there is, 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 are you actually sitting and spending time with him? 
Are you able to get to his heart? And when you get to his heart, he's going to show you amazing things. He's going to show you how much he loves you. He's going to show you how much he likes you. He's going to show you how much he wants to be with you, how he does have plans for good. He's going to show you how much he loves your neighbors, how much he loves your spouse, how much he loves your kids. He's going to show you his love, and it is infectious. Be still and know that I'm God. The second practical part of this is I believe this is pointing us to stop trying to be the God in our life. Be still and know that I'm God and you're not God. Stop and remember that you don't know the future, that you don't hold the future. Stop and remember that you did not put the stars in the sky, that you did not put the ocean in its place, that you did not put Mount Rainier where it is, that I did that. So when it comes to your life, stop trying to place yourself in my place. And lastly, to realize in the midst of that that we are finite and God is infinite. That's what it's talking about here. Behold. Behold who he is. Behold what he's done. What I love here is that this infinite God who's over everything is with us and wants to be with us that he loves us, that he cares. And I mean, imagine the implications of putting this in place. Imagine the implications of actually being still and knowing that he's God. Imagine, imagine the anxiety that, that ceases. Imagine the comfort that comes. Imagine a pr- how the, your children are driving you nuts and, and, and all you want to do is maybe go and say something and you know that if you do it in and of yourself, it, it might come off harsher, it might be hurtful. Imagine being still with God. Imagine the the compassion that comes through, the grace, the, the difference once we're still with God, once we are communing with him, the way that we approach these situations in our life, the way that we make decisions that is not just about the greater paycheck, that it's about, God, where do you want me to be? Who do you want me to be around? God, where would you have me? Where would you have our family? God, allow me to make decisions in a way that's centered on you, not on what everybody else says I should do. The implications are wide. This psalm means a lot to me because this psalm meant a a lot to my aunt. Um, When I was about 13, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I was incredibly close to my aunt. And for a while, it was it was really rough. And and rough in the sense of so much anxiety, so much stress, so much fear, all these appointments, things he never expected. I mean, she was 42 years old. But then something changed. I think it was about month two of this diagnosis. Something changed. And I remember sitting in the living room of her house and just talking with her. And I remember this because it was so impactful. For a lot of her life, she would admit this and she would say this. She kind of went her own way. She didn't take God very seriously. She didn't take the church incredibly seriously. She kind of did her own thing. And, and he was a piece of her life. But she, she wanted to be the God of her life. She wanted to make the decisions that she, she wanted to make. All of those things. But something changed. God actually got to her heart in a way that she got to God's heart. She adopted this psalm as really her foundation for the next eight months. This is where she would point people, literally. Her coworkers who didn't know Jesus, she would point them to this. They would say, how are you so calm in this? And she would say, I'm just being still and I'm knowing that God's God. Let me tell you about him. She evangelized everybody around her. You should have, man, when it came time for a funeral, you should have seen the people who were there. 
But she would go back to this again and again and again, and she would say, there are things that I cannot change. There are things that are happening that I'm not in control of, but I know who is. And so I'm going to be still, and I'm going to know that he's God, and I'm going to know that he's good, and I'm going to know that even in the midst of cancer, he has a good plan. And he did. I, I, I mean, my, my aunt's in a far better place right now, and I know that a lot of people learned about Jesus during that time than ever before in her life. She was able just to be still with God. She really kind of adopted this as well. This is a, this is a saying or this is um, a meditation of, of St. Patrick. You may have seen it. Starts with this. It starts by saying, just be still and know that I am God. And then it moves to be still and know that I am. That I am. That I'm the one who came to be with you. That I gave my life for you. That I love you more than you'll ever know. That I've given you the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to fill you, to grow you. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still and know what I've done. Behold all of my power. Behold all of my majesty. Be still and know. Go sit out in Green Lake. Sit on the grass. Look around. Be still and know that I created all of this. And that I created you. Be still. Man, this is so hard for us. But just be still. And then finally, it just wraps, be. Just be. Just sit with him. Allow God and his grace to wash over you. This cleansing stream of mercy. Be. Listen for his voice. Allow his comfort to come in. Allow the others that he's put in your life to come around you at times when you need them. Sometimes when you have a tendency to push away, allow them to come in and minister to you. Allow him to show you direction. Be. And so right now, just for a minute, I want us just to be. So I want you to think. Maybe there's something going on right now. Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it doesn't mean it has to be the end of the world. Hopefully it's not, but maybe there's something. Family, relationship, work, health, finances, a decision that needs to be made, an opportunity, the unknown, the future. Whatever it is that's been causing you to run on a wheel like a hamster and go nowhere, or has been keeping you up at night, or has been bringing anxiety or fear or doubts, I want you to take a minute and sit with God and hand him these things. So where you are right now, let's just take a minute and let's be. Remembering that he is our refuge, that he is our strength, and that he is with us in the midst of all of it. hear these words as this passage wraps. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us.
the God of Jacob is our fortress. This isn't by mistake the same way that David began the psalm, he ends it by reminding us God is over all, God is in all, and that God is with us. God, the creator, the ruler of all the nations of the world will have the last word. In all of the world, in all of life, in your life, God will have the last word. And his word's good. For his children, his word's great. For his children, his word's mercy. It's compassion, it's forgiveness, it's kindness, it's refuge, it's hope, it's strength, it's love. And so in the times of trial, in the times of chaos, in the times of big decisions, in the times of the unknown, in the times of frustration, in the, in the times of just living on this earth as a human, in these times, be still and know that this is your God. And allow the one who made you, who knows every part of you, who knows your todays and your tomorrows and your eternity, who understands your heart and my heart as fickle as it can sometimes be and our tendency to run on our own, this God that is with you, the one who will have the last word when it comes to your life, would we allow him to have the first word? And would we simply be still and know that he is God?